This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons, and of course Michael, sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back, as I'm sure you've all been listening all the way through to the Patriots Dynasty podcast. This week is 2001 Week 9, with the, the Buffalo Bills coming to Foxborough Stadium, not Gillette Stadium. Although, the gratuitous shots of Gillette Stadium in the background. CMGI. So, yes, thank you. CMGI field, as we've already talked about. What were they? They were the, the ass Jeeves of the early 2000s. Isn't that what we discovered? Something like that? Yes, sir. Something like that, yeah. So... um just for some context, why we might sound a little dour this week, uh, we are recording this the week after the ending of the 2019 Patriots season. The so, of the dynasty. some would say that. Well, a lot of media would say that. I'm not ready to call it quite yet because they've been saying that for the past, what would you say, 10 years that the dynasty has ended? It's over. <laughs> I like that a uh, a playoff appearance um, after three Super Bowls is the end. Yeah, so that's and a twelve cool. and four season while battling through uh, a, a platitude of injuries. Andy, platitude? That's Aaron not the right word. Sold his house. That's true. Oh, he sold his house. It's and old. Alex Guerrero sold his too, didn't he? And and he's a free agent. He'll never. And he moves to no Connecticut. Way. Belichick hates him. It's physically impossible for him to come wow. back. I'm pretty oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, but is it now, you know, playing devil's advocate here, isn't it, <laughs> wouldn't it be a little bit interesting to see Brady go somewhere else just to kind of add to that bar conversation of like who's better, Belichick, Brady, who needed who more? I mean, obviously no. it's a different conversation because he's older, the teams are different, whatever. It's kind of stupid, but could be fun to talk about. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if like Brady wins one and then Belichick never wins another one. That's pretty embarrassing for him. <laughs> My money would be on the other way around. I know. That's what I mean. It's more likely for the coach to coach until he's 85 and sneak one in there. Oh, at least. Yeah. But if Brady brings the fucking Titans to the Super Bowl, it's not bad. <laughs> you put him on the Colts or something. Yeah. Isn't the Chargers the uh, the lead spot? I don't get that, game? man. They're terrible. Yeah. And the Raiders? Give me a break. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, still sure, I'm sure Belichick will see eye to eye with what's his name. Not Al Davis, his son with the bowl cut. Fuck's his name. Oh, uh, that guy. Al Davis Jr. Yes. Is it? Sure. <laughs> He's so. such a weirdo. He's a real weird dude. Um, awesome. all, all I know is the chances of the Patriots letting Brady go is minuscule because I don't know if you guys know, but there's a $13 million cap hit if he leaves. And that's yep. a huge amount of money to be sitting around for nothing. So, yep. But we don't talk about that. Nope. <laughs> nope. We're here to talk about 2001 week nine. With the the one in yeah. five Buffalo you Bills introductions before getting sidetracked, nice. Yep. <laughs> I mean, at this point, right. do we even need introductions? Everybody's here. The whole damn crew. 
you don't know who we are by now, you can Google it. <laughs> if you Google Google Steve Brown, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like a yo-yo champion. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do that Dude, right now. That guy is legit. <laughs> I'm actually looking that up right now. So I, Dude, I think he's I... like a yo-yo master. He like teaches other yo-yo guys. He's like an OG yo-yo. Yeah, I'm not yeah. seeing this yo-yo guy, but I'm going to type in yo-yo guy. Stay tuned. I set oh. a, a Google alert for Andrew Brown. So every time my name comes up in like a new Google story, I get notified. There is a, a defensive lineman for the Cincinnati Bengals named mm-hmm. Andrew Brown. And well, there's also sort of, a whole lot of guys who've done a whole bunch of yeah, terrible shit. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of victims yeah. uh, and, and murderers and all kinds of weird things out there. Yeah. But you know what? Um, this yo-yo guy looks fucking awesome. <laughs> Doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, his beard is sick. Forget the yo-yos. <laughs> I don't know. His tats are on point. He makes walking the dog look cool. Shoot the moon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, speaking of uh, great beards, I guess, as a, as a segue, uh, Buffalo Bills head coach, Greg Williams, does he have a beard? Uh, that yeah, was I don't stretching. Think that yeah, I don't yeah, think so. That I don't think so. All right, fuck it. He um, does have like a cool fro, though. Yeah, something like that. He's got two G. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is Greg with two Gs. He also has a very square head, I feel like. I will say about uh, Greg Williams, um, Mm -hmm. because this popped up in the broadcast, and I thought it was very cool. Um, (laughs) He was talking to his team or talking about his team, and he says his team is too young and not talented enough to overcome penalties and mistakes. (laughs) I thought that was pretty neat. Well, this is the, the same Greg Williams who... Uh, was the interim Browns head coach in 2018 after Hugh Jackson was fired because he was he's more of a defensive coordinator I think right yeah yeah that's 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 usually what he is he's been in the league since 97 um, mostly as a defensive coordinator but he had got a couple of shots at head coach uh, this of course was the 01 through 03 with the Bills where he went ugh, 17 and 31. And then the year with Cleveland, he had eight games there. He went five and three, but they didn't bring him back as a head coach because I think he seems like a bit of a, a loose cannon in the way yeah, everybody talks he's about a bounty him. Bounty gate guy. He is. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So he's uh Yeah, did you watch the hard knocks with him in it? No. Which one no. was that? Oh, oh, the the one last year, right? With the Browns? Yeah. No, I didn't actually see it. He's a hard have HBO. You know, he's like an old school. You know, grumpy cunt kind of guy. Yeah, How do you yeah. feel about the uh, bounty gate? Dude, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's like whatever, dude. They're trying to hurt each other anyway. It's just football. That's, that's what I thought. I mean, it's kind of weird to put a dollar uh, amount on somebody's head, but at the same time, they're all trying to kill each other. So, right. I mean, like saying go hurt him and go hit him as hard as you can. You know? Right, right. And yeah. I think like even the money thing was just like them, you know, again, not right. The optics, it doesn't pass the optics test, but they're just, you know, it wasn't like this whole infrastructure to like decimate people, I don't think. Right. It's football. Yeah, it, it felt like the the actual punishments that came down. Yeah. Like Sean Payton being suspended for a year and all that crap. Like it that it oh, just seems so that. over the top, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely like an optics thing, and you don't want a brutal sport to be like you know mired by things like that. But 
uh, you know, he like, like Greg said, he's an old school guy. Yeah. It doesn't excuse his actions, though. <laughs> on, so, on record. <laughs> Way to save that. Uh, <laughs> so in his uh, head coaching career, he has faced Belichick six times, all while coaching the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he lost five of them. Can any of you name the one win? I can, but I I cheated and I looked. <laughs> was it the thirty-one nothing? It was, yeah. The it was game week one. That was his only win against the New England Patriots and Bill, Bill Belichick. Yeah, but what a win, huh? Yeah, yeah. And then they uh, they they finished that season pretty strong too, I believe, by coming back to. I don't remember which one was where, but playing the Patriots again last week of the season and in the perfect bookend, losing 31 nothing. The first game was in Buffalo. The last game was in New England. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, that, that seems right. From the, the visuals like that have been burned into my memory. That pick yeah. in the end zone. Yep. Yeah, because they had the Perhaps. second string in until the, the Bills started driving right at the end, and then they put the first string defense back in and held them to keep it 31 nothing. It's beautiful. Um, I want to know, Mr. Brown, is, yeah. is uh, um, Greg Williams got in trouble for the Bounty Gate thing? How come Sean Payton doesn't get in trouble for bringing, like, he's carrying around $100,000 or something of cash and enticing his players to win a game? Doesn't that promote betting? Betting's legal about? now in New Jersey. Yeah, but you can't. Can you bet, like, if you're on an NFL team or against or for or whatever? Probably yeah, I mean, not. Pete Rose. That's exactly. Right. You would have something yeah. to say about it. Exactly. So, you know, why doesn't Sean Payton... You know what? Sean Payton should just get suspended every year. How about that? <laughs> uh, that Anyways. Sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> I think you're on the set. <laughs> Go <Yeah>. off, King. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, speaking of terrible, though, the, the Bills this year would finish the season 3-13. and 13. After coming into this at 1-6. and six. Uh, that would qualify for fifth in the AFC East out of five teams back when that was still a thing. Uh, they wouldn't actually win more than one game in a row this season. They had losing streaks of four, which to start the season, and then another six after winning coming out of their bye. And this is game that we're, we're catching them now is part of that six-game losing streak. Let's see. Other notable coaches, literally nobody. This team was so bad that... Uh, Nobody else ever got a job in the NFL afterwards. As a head coach, anyway. I don't know if they... He replaced... Uh, oh, do you know who he replaced on the Bills? Who replaced? Who uh, Williams replaced. Who? He's he's famous guy. The, uh, uh, he, he was the Rob architect Levy? of the Flutie Rob Johnson fiasco. I'll give you a hint. Oh, no, that wasn't... Uh, I've gone far. It's not uh, Marv Levy, is it? No, it was Wade Phillips. <gasps> oh, I feel like I feel like I can fuse those two guys. Is that weird? I can see that. Well, Wade <laughs> Phillips is is that uh, like defensive coordinator who every once in a while gets a shot too, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's it kind of because uh, of Bum Phillips, you know? Yeah, yeah. Why are they related? He's son of Bum. He wrote a book <laughs> called Son of Bum. Yeah, he did. <laughs> 
Yeah, Ramzan. I actually read some excerpts out of it in preparation for this podcast. Oh, really? I hope you tell. I fell deep into the Flutie Rob Johnson rabbit hole. It was it was quite a rabbit hole. There was uh there was a whole bunch of shit that went on. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean I didn't I, that, realize it went that deep. Yeah, so I we can get into that now if you want, because I mean oh, yeah. the next thing is the the starting quarterback as we've made aware is Rob Johnson and he was the replacement for Doug Flutie, really, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now I remember the San Diego game we touched on this. Like did, did anything go yeah. deeper than that? You want want me to get into it? I got a timeline. Yeah, right. yeah let's hear it. Let's do it. So he he's a fourth round draft pick, Johnson, for the mm. expansion Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. He plays three years there. He starts one game. He like played his ass off in that one game. And if you remember, this this came up with uh like the Matt Castle conversation. He, he they gave up a first and a fourth round pick to trade. Oh, wow. So they brought him and Flutie in in uh, 1998, I believe. Yeah. And uh, he sucks. He starts the season one and three, and then Flutie takes over when he gets hurt. They go. He turns the season around. They make the playoffs. Flutie goes to the Pro Bowl. Everything's dandy. Right. The next year, they go 11 and five. This is this is where it all like blew up. So Flutie started 15 games that year. Right, right. They're making the playoffs. He sits out week 17 because they couldn't change their playoff uh, seating. Mm-hmm. Johnson comes in, slings all over the field, plays his ass off, and then <laughs> Wade Phillips starts Johnson. Oh, right. my God. In the Music City Miracle game, right? Game. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that's how that went down. Yeah, which turned out to be the Music City Miracle. Yes, yeah. No way. Yeah. yeah. So then they uh they lost obviously to the right. Titans in that game. And then the next year uh they split time. Flutie went 4 and 1. Uh Rob Johnson went 4 and 7 and at the end of that yeah. year their decision Wade Phillips said, "I think we'll <laughs> stick with Rob Johnson." <laughs> wow. And they let Flutie go. Yeah, because I don't, I don't, I think it was just me and Mike that did the Chargers game, but because they traded him to the Chargers. Yep. Doug Flutie. And at the time, I think the Chargers were undefeated and the Bills were winless. Yeah. So Flutie and went. Everybody's like tearing him to bits. They were one in 15 the year before. And then he actually played, they played each other that year. And uh, no. Flutie was four and two. And it like turned around the Chargers, and then there was like a dramatic, like game-ending uh, scramble touchdown that Flutie had to win it for the Chargers. <laughs> and I remember that play happening because everyone was like, "Dude, fuck Rob Johnson." <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you trade a first-round pick for him. Yeah. Right. So that it was actually two weeks before this game, I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it was their week seven. And then uh, Rob Johnson, like, breaks his collarbone in this game. Spoiler alert. Yep. And he basically was never the same. Oh, uh, he kind of was, though. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah he, just, he just never he had just, the one game where he never played got his better. ass off. Right. Right, yeah. yeah. That was it. Wow, well, thank you for that. I, I forgot all about all that. 
Yeah, I went yeah, that. down. And like there were so many like instances throughout this whole thing of like, oh yeah, Rob Johnson started the game, they were losing. He, you know, gets a concussion, Flutie comes in, scores 24 unanswered points, and they win. Like I read that like four different times. <laughs> so similar to the uh the Tom Brady Drew Henson. I was thinking the exact same thing situation oh, in Michigan. Yep. Like they just want Rob Johnson to be good. Mm-hmm. When he isn't, they just put in the backup to clean things up again. Yeah. See, I thought he was like a high draft pick. Yeah. So did I. The first and fourth, like that's where that like reputation came from. Yeah. Like we got to use him because we. So I guess up. technically it was a high draft pick, just not by the Jacks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. And so they're. They they rolled with Rob Johnson and Alex Van Pelt of all people this season. It's a great name. Obviously had to, yeah, had to finish this game, and then the rest of the season because Rob Johnson. Who I think that was also another knock on Rob Johnson's. He could never stay healthy too. Oh yeah, he was injured ton. And yeah. then so after that Music City miracle, I think it took him twenty years to get back to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, the curse of Flutie. Yep. And I want did Flutie make the playoffs in those twenty years? Mm. He was on the Patriots team, so he must have. Yeah. So not as a starter, maybe, but right. Yeah. <laughs> Curse of Doug Flutie. I love it. And they still haven't won a playoff game since then, right? Because they lost this year too. Yep. I don't so. so tough. He's he's the uh, the Babe Ruth yeah. of Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they've won or since the year they lost that fourth Super Bowl in a row. Yeah, I think you're right. Because they lost in the yeah. first round in both those years. I was looking at the 98 and 99. Yep. Does it compare to the Antonio Brown curse? Because <laughs> he got them. The Raiders, Steelers, and Patriots. And he included Buffalo in that as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know. He was proud of, you know, every team being out in the same week. So we got to sign that man immediately. We should at least bring him on the podcast. I think he'd be down. Dude, we could like, we could uh, uh, watch his uh, music video. Yeah, we could hype it for him. I like it. I watched it it already. I think once was a whole lot of money. That's not auto tuned enough. (laughs) I'll auto tune it in post. Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope yeah. you do. Yeah. I think I will. So actually, the uh, the last Buffalo playoff win was the year after they lost their last Super Bowl. They won in the wild card against the Dolphins before losing to the Steelers in the oh. divisional round. 1995, baby. Poor, poor it's been a couple of years. Hey, there All are right. other teams that are worse off, so they should be happy. Yeah. Sure. Barely, <laughs> but yes. You know? <laughs> <I know. over. laughs> what are we going to do with ourselves until next year? <sighs> um, speaking of dynasties, the uh, Bills wide receivers, Eric Moulds and Peerless Price. Talk Great about a dynastic duo. Both of them, really. Eric oh. Moulds. Oh. Peerless, though. I mean, what a great name. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Uh, I think if we're if we're going with great names, uh, running back starting running back Travis Henry was always my favorite because I remember playing him in Madden uh, and calling him Big Hen. And my college roommate at the time, uh, 
I use Travis Henry to, to such great Travis Henry and, and Drew Bledsoe to such great effect that he couldn't beat me. And yeah, that uh, guy sucks speaking to me. I know. I know. Drew Bledsoe and Travis Henry. I don't know, man. Yeah. Did anyone else go into the Travis Henry rabbit hole? I didn't know that there was, was a one rabbit there. hole. No, it either. Oh, oh, is there? Oh boy, let's hear it though. I mean, yeah. the last was so good. Travis Henry has um, he has some seed. We'll say that. Oh, is he a Dave Meggett style? Oh yeah. Oh no. And Antonio Cromartie. Yeah. Like on Cromartie, he's the all-time best athlete for illegitimate children. Oh, really? He, More than Cromartie. Yep, standard bear. <laughs> so Cromartie <laughs> has twelve kids with eight women. Wow! Wow! Eleven with ten. Wow! <laughs> he was paying. So in '09, oh, oh god, he wow. got brought to court for child support, and they said that he was paying one hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year in child oh, support. Oh my god! Did he have that much money? <laughs> Well, no. (laughs) That's why he was in court. So this is all before he was 30. He had all this. Yeah. So he ended up getting some jail time, I believe, for getting arrested for a multi-kilogram cocaine transaction. Oops. Well, I mean, he was trying to do what he could to help out his kids I well no, so then it, the plot thickens they asked him <laughs> money for like the child support and they asked where it all went and he said oh i spent it on my three cars and two hundred fifty thousand dollars in jewelry <laughs> oh my god well i mean think about it though uh, the kid's not going to give a return on investment until they're at least 40 exactly. so i mean <laughs> why not zip around in a cool ass car the three of them <laughs> selling cocaine yeah, <laughs> I think I saw that in Antonio Brown's video. Some guy in the background. <laughs> yeah, it was Travis Henry. Holy shit! I feel like I heard a quote from him when they like asked him about it, and he's like, "There's nothing to do in Buffalo except fuck." <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. Wasn't that Lashawn McCoy? It might have been Willis McGahey. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. They've had some quality running backs come out of Buffalo. I wrote down oh, some of the plus other beast mode. OJ Simpson? Yeah. Thurman Thomas? What were you going to say, G? <laughs> I said, I, I wrote, there's like a, a lot of the people that have a ton of kids are like really famous too. Like names you'd know. All right, let's hear them. Down. So I'll give you some stats here. Cromartie, 12 with 8. Muhammad Ali, 9 with 5. Sean Kemp from the Supersonics, seven Mm. with six. Vander Holyfield, 11 with six. Wow. Vlad Guerrero, eight with five. One of them, (laughs) talk about return investment, is like in the MLB. Yeah, Vlad Jr. That's, he. you know, one out of 30 in bed. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite, the God-fearing man himself, Ray Lewis, six with four. (laughs) Wait, wait a minute. You're leaving out. You're leaving out Benjamin Watson. Who has like nine kids with one? So let's give that man a that round good. of applause. Dude, I was gonna put Phil Rivers in there. I, forgot to <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, oh, Phil yeah, Rivers. Yeah. He's got like eleven, right? Something stupid. Yeah. yeah. Yep. He's got himself a whole football team. Man. For Muhammad, for them. had noted, float like a butterfly, come like a horse. 
Oh, I know what clip we're using to promote this podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be sure. It's gonna be Mike's <laughs> 11 one, right? <laughs> oh, it, I we could make that a shirt, Greg, but I don't know anybody who would wear that in public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, speaking of like uh, coming like a horse, the oh, only boy. pro bowler on this team uh, was. The one, the only Larry Centers, the fullback. Ooh, love Larry. Yeah, who was Where third in receiving goal? yards on the team and fourth in rushing yards. Huh. Because yeah. there's a lot of names I recognize, like on that defense, even. Yep. Oh, yeah, we even got the defense. The only other name that I had for offense was tight end Jay Reamers. Reamersma? I think yep. I pronounced oh, it yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a great fucking name. Um, and he looks like uh, a poor man's Rob Gronkowski, which we can talk about later if you want. But yeah, let's get to the defense. This was, yeah, there was some pretty big names yeah. on this defense. Uh, defensive backs, Nate Clemens and Antoine Winfield. Bolts. Solid. Yeah. Yep. Uh, linebackers. I didn't really recognize any of these names. Brandon Spoon, which is another great name, who had two pick sixes on the year, which for a linebacker, I feel like is a lot. The rookie, too. Yeah, uh, Jay Foreman, who led the team with 101 tackles. Don't remember him. Or Keith Newman, who I nope. also don't remember. Uh, defensive line, though, you'll know these both of these names, I'm sure. Yep. Pats fan, Aaron Schobel. Schobel. Yep, who had, he's, this is his rookie year. He had two sacks of Brady on the day. Would actually finish with, we talked about this before, I don't remember when. Uh, he is the person with the most sacks of Tom Brady. Yeah, in Brady's career, yep. And he's got like 14. But Aaron Schobel, that's a that's a great little trivia for you. Aaron Schobel. Where was um Jason Taylor on that list? I want to say he was like second or third. I think it was second, yeah. Because yeah. I, I just felt like he sacked Brady a shitload. Yeah. And then I remember because we did, yeah, I think, oh, Mike, I think that was the uh, the Dolphins game that we did, the first one. Yep. That, that Greg actually watched, but uh, talked about two weeks later. It happens sometimes. Either on the roof. Remember yes. the Bills Pats in 04? I have in my hand a game day program from that game. Nice. Oh, sweet. Well, we'll get there in probably five and a half years. So hang on to that. Well, I've had it since 2004. So no worries. Yeah. Wait a minute, Andy. Did we go to a um, Brady Bledsoe game? Was it us in Buffalo? Yes, that's right. I yeah, came up to we'll, visit. We'll have to we'll have to talk about that when that pops up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be good. Yep. Um speaking of fat bastards, the last name on defense was uh Pat Williams. That guy was legit. Yeah. That wasn't Pot Roast, was it? That was a different Williams that was called Pot Roast. Who was he? It was a guy in the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh I yeah. Was, I thought his name was Williams too, though, wasn't it? What about uh Keith the tractor trailer? I don't think he was Wow. On this team at this point, I think they uh, just left. They're like, oh, he's he lost his buddy. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, his buddy Antoine Smith. Like, no, yeah, no, it's the, the big fat guy on defense that he used to play right next to Ted Washington. Oh, I remember Teddy. Was. Yeah. What are your what are your thoughts on the commentators, Andy? Uh, do you want to get to that now? I mean, we can because I got to look, guys, I try not to bring this up 
because I feel stupid in that I don't know so much. But Brent Jones started football or not football. And every time this guy pops up, I can't escape it. I have to write three or four things because he confuses the hell out of me. So, I mean, yeah, we can get into it if you guys want to help me out on this. But again, I don't I, I feel dumb bringing this up, but this guy just brings it out of me, I think. I mean, we, we can we can dive right over if you want, even though we haven't talked about the game at all yet. Well, I mean, this could help the uh, the listeners in understanding the game a little bit better as we uh, unravel it. <laughs> all right. I mean, may as well. We're talking about comedy. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Brent Jones. Gus Johnson's all right. He toes the line. But Brent, Brent Jones is something else. And um, so uh, the first one would be sometimes that ball is slippery when you get that pump going. <laughs> And I'm like, you didn't kind of can. I'm con- <laughs> I, don't think yeah, you that. I he definitely did, and I don't understand it. So, could you fill me in on this? Is it football or not football? It was like a sunny game too. Why would it be slippery? I, well, I, I, I guess, have no idea. I guess if you pump it up enough, uh, oh, is this it, a it'll get like thing? super. Yeah, is, it's uh, it's like the opposite of Deflate Gate, <laughs> and the ball gets. Super, yeah, you, you can't grip it as well, so it kind of. So it's like it. an Aaron Rodgers gate. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's what you guys think. It's like a, a air thing. If I'm a- being completely honest, I don't actually know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> he said it. I swear. Oh, I'm sure he did. I don't know if he knew what he was talking about. All right, so if anybody out there is still listening to this, you can fill us in on what yeah. that means. That'd be ideal. Uh, next one is Tom Brady able to step up into the pocket and put some juice on it. <laughs> is that football or not football? I I think that's football because uh, the pocket. I think we may have talked about this before. Is is what the offense? I don't think we line, have. No. All right. So that's what the offensive line tries to create around Tom Brady to keep the the, the defenders off of him. Like a little U shaped. Yeah. No, oh, that's a, wait, that's called. Why don't they call it a wall? That's called a pocket. Because it's curved, so they have to call it a pocket. Because oh, he sits you, in it. You. Yeah, you don't put things in walls, right? So, like what is putting back. juice on the pocket, man? Uh, I think the juice was about the football and how hard he threw it. Because I gotta say, Tom Brady can fucking huck a football back in two thousand one. Oh, man, okay. It's kind of like uh, the high cheese in baseball. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah now yeah. I get it. How come Brett Jones didn't say that? Yeah. I don't know. Put some juice oh. on it, baby. Okay, so that makes sense. So step up in the pocket and put some juice on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, baby. Uh, this one he was talking about Rob Johnson. I don't know anything about Rob Johnson, and I don't know if it pertains to this, but he said he needed about six inches, and he has it. <laughs> Is that football or not football? I don't know anything about him. Six inches hard? I, well... I don't think it was easy. I don't know what we're... Right. Well, guys, I don't know what we're talking about. Well, I mean, it makes a big difference. Six inches? Well, it's a game of inches, right? So I figure... It's true, yeah. Six inches is There's big men on that field. Right. If one inch is important and like how you use that one inch in a game of inches and six inches has got to be pretty good. Above average. Yeah, I I would think so. So that's a football thing. Game of inches. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Definitely cool. Football thing. And then the last one, and this was the uh, the most confusing for me. He was under pressure and had to get it off. <laughs> Why, dude? You've never been under pressure and had to get it off, Mike. Uh, I've never played football like this. So I've never yeah, been a not in front of fifty thousand people. I don't think. 
you think right. you hear the garage door opening, you're like, oh no, mom's home. <laughs> oh, I I see what yeah, Craig. Jeez. That's gross. Jeez. What the hell? Pretty but sure yes, I have been about in that situation. Collapsing. <laughs> I believe uh what was that? It's now or never. <laughs> I did have that scenario though, but I, I was watching. I think it was MTV programming in my room, and I heard footsteps. So, <laughs> yep. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to understand these things a little bit better. But uh, Brent Jones, he 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 he's a man of words. Now, is this just a Brent Jones thing, or it, it... Gus Johnson would never say these things? <laughs> How dare you? I mean, it hasn't just been Gus. Uh, ju- hasn't just oh, been Brent Jones, no, but. No, no, no. No, but he seems to bring out the best in in these questions. He he did start this whole thing because it seems mm. like everything he says ha- is multi layered, and he's a little bit more intelligent than I am. So yeah, he's yeah, yeah. He also uh, got super excited when they were showing CMGI Stadium. And I miss that. He was like, you know what? My favorite part of that stadium is Canadian Blue Steel. Oh right, yeah. So, I'm guessing Brent Jones is Canadian. Stat check. I is got that it. Legal? You got it, Greg. Yeah, I got it. Uh, yeah. How come Gus Johnson doesn't say anything like this? He's from Santa Clara, California. Oh. Maybe a stock in Canadian steel. Uh, hey, yeah, he was Canadian. Can we write Brent Jones an email about this? Because Maybe we should, I wonder if we can have Brent Jones on. Dude, let's do it. And I'm, I'm going to try to understand everything that he says when he's on the podcast because I might have to go back, listen to it, and decipher it, and ask you guys. Ooh. Uh, he has some politi- possible political aspirations. Mm, well, he shouldn't. He shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Not with well, this, this may have been back in 2010. <laughs> I see. Interesting. There's a lot of tape on what this man has said, and I don't know. Hey, he was a tight end, Mike. What does that make you think? Uh, that he played a position on offense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you get confused easily, so I don't know. Oh yeah, no. Oh, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go against that. Sometimes we gotta dumb it down for you. Yeah. That's right. Fair. Yeah. No. All right. Well, speaking game. of speaking of tight ends. Um, I don't think the Patriots have any because do they? Then I haven't seen Wiggins, the complete a pass for tight Wiggins. ends. Wiggins is on oh, the team. Yeah, that's right. Wiggins had one catch because I remember it because he tried to juke a guy and he jumped and got his feet caught and landed square on his face and had to come off immediately. Oh, <laughs> so that's right. It was yeah. one. Of, it was one of those hits where the whole like when he hit the ground, the, like everybody in the crowd went oh, and you're wondering if he's gonna get up. Because he's a not an agile fella. That one wasn't there. Like a, a Rutledge, wasn't he on the team? I think that was. I think that may have been two thousand. Okay, I want to. Well say. then, yeah, Wiggins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he didn't do enough for me to put any notes in. The only the only tight end in this game that got notes from me was was Jay Reimersma, six five two fifty two, big fucker. Doesn't wear gloves. He was definitely a hard out. Uh, and he was also the holder on the Buffalo Bills field goal attempts. 
<laughs> well, have you caught that? So fuck yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the tight end progression for the Patriots? Because it went to an interesting, like, it was like nothing. Yeah. And then they went to that two tight ends with Hernandez and Gronk. And now it looks like they're coming back out with, like, the nothing. no theory again. Well, I think, well, Belichick's always consistently drafted tight ends. He just hasn't, he didn't have any success until the he just Hernandez Gronkowski. Yeah. Cause I mean, he drafted Watson, he drafted um, yeah. Daniel Graham. Yeah. Fourier, like he's he's been drafting tight ends for his whole career. Wait, I thought Fourier was a trade. Oh, I may have been, but yeah, he he likes oh, to accumulate. I'm sorry, I, I got confused him with Wiggins for whatever reason. That was such a weapon when they had Hernandez and Gronk together. Oh God, yeah, that's the one time when I remember thinking like, there's there's nothing people can do to stop this. You can't because they can do whatever they want. Recognizing the league. Well, that hasn't really been replicated since. So. Yeah. Mm-mm. You'd think that somebody would give it a shot, but I think finding no pun somebody in that tight end uh, position is hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, got our own Brent Jones up in here. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no that that was pretty great. I mean, Gronkowski is like his own thing, right? So yeah, I mean that was what it was. I don't know, man. I think the the uh, the game's changing too. We're like now in the game. I think there's like three dominant tight ends. They're all super fast, agile, and then like you don't really hear about it with like anybody else. And with teams like um, Baltimore, you know, they got like a whole different system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously the Chiefs have a good one. Uh, Bengals, you know, off and on, but you don't really hear about it too much anymore for some reason. Yeah, the, the Ravens are kind of doing it this year where they're yeah. like tight ends have more catches than their wide receivers. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they're rotating like three of them in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it, I mean, the NFL is all cyclical anyway, so it's a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, you, you're actually starting to see the resurgence of fullbacks come back too, you know, like with the 49ers as well as the, True. the Ravens and things like that. Yeah, it'd be like just a personnel thing too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, but, but I think that those, all those, sorts of positions are now being asked to do more. So you have to have a fullback who can catch now. Although I suppose if you're looking at 2001, you've got Mark Edwards, who is like, at least through the first three or four weeks was like the weapon that they kept going to. What about Sam Gash? You remember him? Mm. Yeah. He was kind of a one trick pony though. He was, yeah, uh, but I thought he was good for a pass here and there. Yeah. But so was Brian Cox. So, I mean, true. Did, uh, (laughs) What did the guy in the Patriots say? Say, I see motherfuckers and I hit him or something. <laughs> I run through a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Offense, defense, or special teams. Too bad he couldn't <laughs> run for one yard. Hey. Hey. Yeah. I know. Sorry. Speaking well, of two-way players. When they hear it. <laughs> Speaking of t- two-way players, though, um, did anybody else see that Terrell Buckley was playing wide receiver again this game? Yeah. That really confused. That's silly. Yeah. And they keep chucking bombs to him because uh, that was Brady's interception in this game was uh, they, they decided to, to take a shot and then he threw a pick. But that shot was to Terrell Buckley again, which is yeah. very strange. I was like watching in and out and then I came back to that play. Yeah. I just saw the two of them like jumping up for a jump ball and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Why is he number 27? That makes yeah. no sense. Seemed like a bad ball, too, or bad decision, obviously. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was one of those designed because I, I want to say the Pages had just got the ball back, but I think they had just gotten like a. Uh, I can't find it. My yeah, they got it back the next play. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Bills. Yeah, the Bills went through. Oh, the the Patriots scored the touchdown to Falk, the Brady to Falk, off of Troy Brown's nice punt return. Wait, uh, are we getting ahead Bills, of ourselves here? No, so this is first quarter. Okay. Uh, and then the Bills went three and out, and so then like the the first play off of the next punt return, Brady he took that shot in the, on the first play. Gotcha. So I think they're just trying to like put the game away, you know. Didn't work. No, but uh, I thought Troy Brown. I thought the uh, the Patriots special teams in general had a pretty good game. Well, actually, I don't think anybody really had a good game in this. No, I mean Troy Brown had that thirty yard like punt return in the first quarter that was pretty awesome. Right on a twenty eight yard punt. Yeah, which we'll get but, into the punting because that was oh, pretty cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. We go to the punting. Yeah. Brian right, well, Mormon. Give it to me. Give me some Brian Mormon. Yeah, man. I'm going to say um, this was almost like the uh, best moment of the game for me. Um, but I would say the best play of the game is Brian Mormon, Bill's punter. He got a 20-yard punt from the tw- his own 20-yard line to the 40. And <laughs> yeah. on that play, which is pretty sweet, um, Akeem Akbar actually touches the ball accidentally and the refs yeah. miss it. So the Patriots should have lost that ball and they, they caught a break. So that play right. in general was amazing. A 20-yard punt um, <laughs> didn't make that, it to like midfield. Yeah, that, that bounced backwards. Like it hit the four, like it hit like the 45 and bounced backwards to the 40. Yep. And it was that that would be topped by another punt from Brian Mormon from his uh, from the 50-yard line and made it to the 35. So that's a 15-yard <laughs> punt. Oh boy. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. He averaged his his uh, yards per punt on the day. He averaged twenty seven point two yards per punt. <laughs> averaged. That is amazing. I it's, didn't see him. What what was wrong with him? Uh, most of the punts were into the wind. Like it was a super windy game, and so uh, it seemed like all of his punts were towards the open end of the stadium. And like they were all really, really bad because because the first one he did he did a line drive one, and it went twenty eight yards and Troy Brown returned it for thirty two or something like that. <laughs> so he didn't try that again, but he kicked them straight up and they they just hung. Oh, Brian. Yeah. Poor not guy. not great. Five punts, hundred thirty six yards, average twenty seven point two. You know that's what happens in one in six seasons. You know. Yeah, I mean, hunting into the wind, as they say. Yep. You'd think like that they would try some kind of different technique, um, Something given else, yeah. that it was pretty rough every time, but they just kept going for it. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't great, I, but I mean, the kicking game in general was awful. Uh, they showed some stat about uh, Adam Vinatieri kicking against the Bills and how bad he is. Yeah. Yeah, like he was like a seventy or eighty percent kicker normally, but in this game, well, against the Bills, he was like fifty something percent field goal percentage, mm. which is kind of strange. Oh, yeah, here it is. Vinatieri is forty-three for fifty-four for seventy-nine point six percent, so almost eighty percent on field goal attempts. Which I thought he was like a lot first. better at this point than that, but yeah, 
And it says his one week has been the Bills against whom he's managed only 58.3% field goal percentage. And he missed another one in this game. He missed two. He missed both yeah. of his field goals. So 0 for 2 on field goals, hit all three of his extra points. So I think you just blame the wind in general. It looked like a, like a couple of deep balls hung too and, and did some weird shit. So this was one of those old Foxborough games where the wind actually mattered. As opposed to yeah. you hear it now where they say it matters, but you never really see it actually take you, effect. You're absolutely right, though, that like most everyone had a crap game. I'm looking at Brady's numbers, and he was 15 for 21, which isn't bad, for 107 yards. He had a right. touchdown interception. Um, Kevin Falk was the leading receiver with 29 yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did good, yeah. The, the run game was solid, you know. Yeah. 20 for 100, two touchdowns. It's, that's what you want. It's good. It is, but I think that was also skewed by the the run at the end, the big, was it, 40-something yard run? That's true, yeah. Left. But he was yeah. tough yards, too, though. Like, he was breaking tackles. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, because that's the thing. Let's talk about Antoine Smith, too, because he was a former Buffalo Bill, and in 98, he'd actually run for 1,100 yards. And eight touchdowns. And then they got a new, I think, offensive coordinator, head coach or something like that, a whole new system. And basically they said, like the commentators were saying that um, the the new, yeah, he ran for the new coach just basically didn't like him. So he just stopped playing him. So then he ran for 600 yards and then in 99, then 300 yards in 2000. Who was Rob Johnson blowing in that front office? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> and we got Antoine Smith, both studs. Yeah, is that a uh, football question or not football question, Greg? Confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he spent Antoine Smith spent it like the entire week before, and all the the post game saying about how this wasn't like a revenge game. He's not angry at anybody because the people that gave up on him weren't even there anymore, like coach wise and stuff but he still was running like he was pissed off. Like, I think this is the hardest I've seen him run so far this season. And he's still got, like, clearly got a ton left in the tank, too. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. I can say we know that now, but why would you give up on a guy like that? The same reason you give up on a guy like Doug Flutie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, into this hole. And imagine, like, you're you're taking over a team. You kind of want your, to put your stamp on it. Like, I know a lot of guys want to distance themselves from, like, anybody that the GM put in place beforehand. So it's probably a situation where he just wanted his own guys and to prove a point and whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's bullshit, though, you know? Yeah. It is. I mean, yeah. You know, Eddie, play to the talent that you have. I mean, look at what they've done with the the Ravens this year. It's like right. Mm-hmm. You have a running quarterback that can do things like that. Build the system around him. Right. Yeah. Too much ego. Yeah. And, I mean, he had uh, like decent numbers, like even riding the bench. Like they weren't horrible. So I mean, to your point, they probably should have uh, trusted him with the football a little bit more. We should be coaches. I think so. I'll. I mean, I'm. I'm in line for the Belichick position whenever he wants to uh, give that up. Well, but I, positional coach type of guy, Mike, you know? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot, but I'm not freaking waiting around 20 more years to accept the job. Believe me. You, you strike me as a punter's coach. 
Yeah. Oh man, dude, Joe, Joe Judge, special teams guy, see, head coach of the Giants. See, so there is an avenue there, guys. Mike, Mike, how are you going to be a coach when you don't even know what's football and not? <laughs> <laughs> That's a damn it. You're right. <laughs> uh, speaking of not knowing their football, uh, I thought. Like we were talking about everybody not having a great game. Uh, Brady's play at the end. Was... We're talking about the end already? Because, man, I mean, there's just like a lot of shit football every quarter. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but we are all over the fucking place this week. So, yeah, I'm going mean, to jump to the end and we can jump back later. Don't worry about it. All right. It. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because <laughs> I wanted to point out Brady's uh, kind of very unBrady-like rookie mistake at the end there. Pat's up by two scores. And they're running the ball with relative ease. And for some reason, the Pats start calling like play action passes when they have no reason to. And so Brady fakes the play action, rolls to his right, and there's a defender like in his face. So he tries to like, I, I want to say he, he was trying to juke. But if you've seen Tom Brady run, you can kind of imagine what that looks like. And so he doesn't. And the, the the defensive end just kind of slaps the ball out of his hand and then kicks it 20 yards backwards. And the Bills end up recovering it and scoring a touchdown like two plays later to make the game uncomfortably close. Yeah, let's say it was a learning experience for Brady this game because it was pretty awful throughout. Um, but I don't know if it's entirely his fault because um, – they there was I think six sacks on them by the time the fourth quarter started. Yep. So and I think in the by half he was sacked like f- four or five times. So yeah. I don't think he's been pressured like that um, this season. Yeah, he and, was well. Other than the the Miami Dolphins game, which oh, also yep. had that almost exact play where Brady fumbled the snap and then the the was it the right guard did a, a beautiful back heel to kick it yep. back twenty yards yep. at the. The Dolphins recovered for a touchdown. But yeah, he was sacked seven times in this game. Seven, man. And yeah, he fumbled twice. He had the yeah. pick. Yeah, and the Bills, decisions. The yeah, Bills quarterbacks were sacked five times. So this was not a, an offensive display by any stretch of the imagination. Well, right. And lead the league every year in sack to drop back ratio, I guess. Who did? Rob Johnson. Yeah, wow. I can see it. Yeah, I don't know the um, uh, Brady's decisions at the end, though. Like you were saying, uh, I I wouldn't say that this game was a blowout because they were up by what was it like fourteen uh, whatever it was like less than two touchdowns. Fourteen three. Fourteen three, and then after that play, yeah, Peerless Price got the touchdown, so it was fourteen eleven after yeah. two point conversion. So. Yeah, that that one decision made it a close game, even though it shouldn't have been. To your point, they should they could have just run the timeout, and I don't know why they were getting all cute and fancy. But yeah, that's that's what I was wondering. Is like, I mean, you're still on a rookie quarterback who's been sacked seven times. Well, probably six times. I suppose that probably counted as a sack, the fumble. Uh, why are you having him roll out on a bootleg? Right. And uh, the Bills, they went for an onside kick and almost got it. Uh, it was uh, recovered by our very own uh, Mike Vrabel. Yes. Um, you know, sore spot right there. But um, 
Yeah, they almost got the onside kick. So if they got it, this would have been potentially a different game. And yeah, we're not even at this point. I don't think we were used to seeing uh, Brady make you know these these decisions. So yeah, it was a uh, and and it was interesting too. I don't, I'm sure you saw some of this, but in reading some of the articles, because now there's about fifty thousand articles written every game um, that we have to sift through uh, <laughs> during this time. But uh, they were. Uh, talking to him about it and he did say that it was a learning experience and it was i think the first time where he was coming off a little bit more humble than like confident yeah. um, which was i think probably good for this moment in the season yeah the quote that i wrote down was uh you'd like to play great every this is tom brady talking you'd like to play great every week but i'm finding out that's not always the case in this league yeah so that was a little different than what we've heard before yeah. Oh, yeah. And then in that same article was the quote yesterday certainly was an education in adversity for the second year novice. He learned he could overcome a rash of misadventures. He completed 15 of 21 passes, but they travel only 107 yards. His longest connection was a 38 yard to Anjuan Winfield of Buffalo. Yep, that's pretty rough. Yeah, I, again, great. it's it's pretty amazing, though, that Belichick stuck with him because I, I don't know. I mean, we saw with Stidham, you know, he throws one pick six and, you know, he, he never plays again. Uh, so, you know, and, and this is right around the time that Bledsoe was starting to come back. Um, I think yep. they were expecting him to be ready the next week. So the fact yeah. that Brady won that uh, amazes me looking back on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little uh, I It almost makes you feel like the situation is different. Um. I mean, I don't know if, if things would have been different if, say, Jimmy Garoppolo had stayed healthy for those first four games a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And if, he had, if he had won all four of those games, if you would have seen something similar. But you I think so? Feeling, I, don't, I don't know. Wow. Because it feels like a similar situation where you knew that the start is coming back. But if the the guy that plays those first four games gets you to this point. I mean, obviously these are this more than four games, but if he gets you to this point, I, and I think at that point, Garoppolo was playing better then before he got hurt, than Brady was playing here. So I, I, I'm not quite sure how that would have worked out, but yeah, you're right. Um, Bledsoe, um, it was announced that he was cleared by the medical staff to play this the the following week here against the Rams coming up, so yeah, was, I'm assuming that's gonna be the whole next week of Bledsoe's, articles. Bledsoe's start? coming off a terrible year, you know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and it was it wasn't was Belichick's it guy. Though? I mean, he had a lot of picks as usual. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, a, but I, wins, you know, I think I'm, I think the whole thing was that like the only thing that team had offensively was Drew Bledsoe. And he dragged them to five and eleven. Yeah, but right. I mean, Belichick though, I, he's a decision making, you know, guy, right? So yeah. I mean, Brady, Brady makes sound decisions for the most part. Great game manager at this point. Didn't make a lot of mistakes, but I mean, obviously, you know, he references Brady now as iconic in in Boston and for the Patriots. Well, mm-hmm. Bledsoe was pretty iconic as well at the time. Oh yeah. So I don't know if it was the easiest decision. I mean, again, it obviously helps because it was Parcells' guy and not his own. Right. But yeah, to your point, I mean, I wonder what would have happened with the Garoppolo thing. 
mean, obviously, luckily, it happened the way that it happened. They made another three Super Bowls, but uh, that's a good point. I don't know how it would have played out if uh, Brissett didn't uh, jump in there. Mm. All right. So anything? anybody else have anything they want to touch on in this game? Um, other than that, it was uh, absolute crap. Yeah, um, it was a bit of a slog to get through. Well, good thing I didn't watch it then. <laughs> Way to break the fourth wall, Steve. I know. Thanks a lot. All right. In that case, Howard, best of worst, Howard, uh, Steve. Did, did you, oh, wait, 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 wait. Did, <laughs> did you end up watching the highlights at least? No, nothing. Not even. Didn't All even right. Know. Good for you. Okay. So you know what? The, I actually found highlights because, well, I assume Greg wouldn't watch a game. So uh, he proved me wrong. So thanks, Greg. I watched the first half. There you go. Um, but the highlights I found were actually NFL primetime highlights. Yeah, I watched those too. <laughs> yeah. Just in case. I love those. Dude, I, I will say um, one of the, on top of the bad play, obviously, um, there were so many flags on the Bills and Patriots. Oh. It was almost painful to sit through. It I think the announcers cool. were getting a, like a little antsy too, but obviously not, you know, the Belichick, um, type of team and and whatnot that we're used to but so many on both sides like so i obviously the the referees were shit or something yeah they weren't great i don't know that was rough um i think like it'd be interesting to touch on some of the stuff that was going on around this game as well um some of the notes that you had andy on terry glenn i thought were pretty interesting uh around this time uh yeah we're here we go so this is still kind of in the, the peak Terry Glenn saga of will he ever play for the Patriots again? And the the story that came out in kind of the aftermath of last week's game on, on Tuesday in the Boston Globe was that Terry Glenn has depression. And uh, it was, here's the quote is, Glenn confirmed that chronic depression is the physical disability cited as the reason the receiver was unable to take his mandated drug test at the appointed time during the offseason. That tardiness earned Glenn a four-game suspension at the start of the season. That is not to be confused with the season-long banishment Belichick tried to impose when Glenn bolted from training camp because he felt the team wasn't being supportive enough in his protest of the league's sentence. Right. So now we're getting into like the whole like Housewives of Orange County. Hey, I don't necessarily agree with that. You no? son of a bitch. I could tell it in your voice. <laughs> All right. Give it to me then. Give me your side of this. Well, I don't know. It's tough because um, I feel like for them to be talking about depression, that was like almost like ahead of its time because you, I, I, I didn't really hear this kind of stuff being talked about. It was sort of taboo back then. Um, and for us to hear this, I mean, obviously he's putting it out there at the time, but for us to hear this without like social media, um, there's definitely a stigma attached to it. Now, does he advance that, you know, lessening of the stigma? I don't know because I don't know if he was using it to justify his, um, you know, his actions uh, and to provide an excuse or if he was actually dealing with this. But we do know that he had, you know, substance issues. We yep. see a little bit of that with uh, Josh Gordon. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he hasn't necessarily described depression, but I know that it can you know, it, it, there's a lot of things that go into, you know, addiction, depression, um, anxiety, and we're finding out a little bit more about that now. Even yeah. guys like Antonio Brown, where we're, 
we're not quite sure what's going on. He seems like he's just kind of showboaty. Like there could be something a little bit deeper, a little bit of depression, who knows? Um, but we do know that with Terry Glenn, it manifested in substance abuse. So maybe the way that he went about doing it wasn't the right way, but I feel like the infrastructure wasn't in place for sure back then to help a guy who's dealing with like problems. And like, maybe I'm off base and maybe he was sort of like using that as a crutch or like a reason to get, because there was also a dispute where the Patriots had paid them, I think $11 million and they were withholding uh, $8 million of a signing bonus because of all this. Mm -hmm. And you know, that was sort of his reasoning for trying to combat that. So again, is it the Antonio Brown thing where it's like, Hey, I'm going to blame everybody else. I'm going to put my blames on this or that. Um, and I want my money back. Or is it that he was actually dealing with that? And it just seems like an excuse because we didn't really like hear that kind of stuff back then. Right. And I think that's a criticism. It's not that whether or not he has chronic depression or anything like that, which I, I mean, looking back on it now and kind of the tragic way that he ended it's probably pretty obvious that yeah he had at least something whether it was chronic depression or, or something even more than that right i think it's it pretty obvious that there was something going on with him um but yeah the criticism was that this came out however many months after the fact and now why is this coming out all of a sudden when there's this like protracted legal battle right not, like at the time like why, why didn't it come out at the time and I think well, and, and, like my whole the reason for my comment about like you know Housewives of Orange County was just the whole reason why uh, of of Glenn like basically leaving training camp because the team wasn't being supportive enough of him sort of thing. Right. I mean, and uh, you know, obviously, I'm giving you shit, but um, to your point, it, it, it's just tough to uh, assess that situation, especially without knowing what was going on without social media. So it's just what we know based on what Terry Glenn told us and the timing of it. I got to go. Um, guys. All right. Is that it? Is he just going to say that and leave? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thanks. All right. See you later. We'll who, who do we have left? Is Greg still here? Uh, no, he left too. Just me and you. <laughs> awesome way to go guys way to you know well we knew greg was leaving so right way to yeah. let them uh viewers know but anyways to to wrap that up i mean oh, I, um, I, I don't have to go <laughs> not just say i have to go <laughs> fuck out of here <laughs> bye did he where he oh did. there's a chat here chat, yep. uh, he's got to say bye to the viewers man no, at least no. I'm saying bye to him, and then I interrupted you twice, which is also <laughs> benefit for viewers. Yeah, I'm cutting this whole thing out. We're just gonna play it off like you were. No, no, <laughs> this is leave it in there, man. Let we'll it be see. messy. We'll see. Quality content. Let it be messy. I don't even know. I gotta go. But all right, man. Steve. Good chatting. Night. Later. Um, I think you should leave that all in there because this is life. And whoever's <laughs> listening is at this point, yes, it is. And speaking on that, the messiness of uh, the Terry Glenn situation. Yeah. So, yeah, to your point, um, he it, it did seem like he he you know he did some things like he missed some drug tests for whatever reason at the time, and then yeah, months later he said that it was because of that. Now it doesn't it doesn't mean that he's not dealing with that. Maybe he is using that to justify it later as a like legal way. 
but I just thought it was interesting because I didn't, I didn't really remember this going on. Maybe I was a little bit too young to, you know, understand, but, uh, I think it is an interesting thing because a lot of the articles that, um, you had, uh, put up, um, that I was looking over, it was like about, you know, they were interviewing doctors and trying to figure out from psychiatrists if, you know, how, how this manifests itself. And like, you know, uh, people didn't really know how to deal with the mental health aspect of athletics, uh, yeah. back then. I don't think yeah. we're at the point where we, we know what, how to handle that now. No, but, but yeah, I mean, this was before CTE was even a, like a, a thought could be right. a, a possibility. But yeah, I think you're right. And even in the articles, it, all, all the, even the explanations from these doctors felt really almost simplistic. And yes, I agree. Simple. Yep. So you, you could, you could almost tell that there hadn't really been a lot of emphasis on, on that side of things. Um, but it wasn't even just the, the, the depression and stuff. Cause there was, there was another article too, foc- like specifically focusing on Terry Glenn's mental health. And the quote that I, I pulled from that one was um, the Norfolk County District Attorney's Office has dismissed the felony intimidation of a witness charge against Glenn stemming from a May 16 incident in which he allegedly assaulted Kimberly Combs, the mother of Glenn's six-year-old son. So, right. And I saw that and I, I didn't remember that happening either. So again, I don't know if this was like public knowledge um, or maybe I wasn't paying attention to it because I doubt I was reading newspapers and like, you know, around this time, but right. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously we would hear about it more uh, with the social media aspect of today, but I just thought yeah. it was interesting. I mean, and it, it it's also, I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough thing to th- talk about because it is a very real thing. I think that now a lot of more people um, understand what it is um, or at least experience it a little bit more mm-hmm. and are willing to talk about it. Um, is it fair that Terry Glenn was using it the way that he did? Again, probably not because it doesn't necessarily advance uh, the study and understanding of depression and anxiety yeah. and all these things that you know I think is very much in play today. But um, it, it was very interesting to to hear that. And obviously, you know, if you're dealing with depression and anxiety, you're trying to get help. That also doesn't excuse behavior like what he was accused of, and um, you know it doesn't help that situation either in getting that discussion going. But I do think it's, uh, it's interesting because nowadays, and, and I think social media has a lot to do with it, but we see a lot of athletes dealing with this and just people in their everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're just starting to, to talk about those things and, and try to figure out as a society how to deal with it. But right. can you imagine like 20 years ago dealing with it? If he in fact oh. was, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's how he's, he was definitely dealing with something, whether whatever it is or turned out to be. Um, right. It just, yeah, it feels like, you know, shades of even like an Aaron Hernandez or like you're talking mm-hmm. about uh, Antonio Brown. Like there's, there's just things going on. Like this, this, this does feel very similar. Like the more that we get into it, it feels very similar to an Antonio Brown situation. Right. Which, uh, you know, hopefully the ending is a little bit different because I don't, I'm not seeing anything, uh, substance wise with him, um, mm-hmm. at the moment, but there is like, you know, a lot of the legal stuff up in the air and, you know, hopefully, I mean, he said he's talking to a therapist. I don't know if Terry Lynn was at the time. 
Um, but then yeah. again, I, I don't know if this is in, interesting uh, for anybody who's listening or not, but I'm fascinated by this stuff because yeah. also if you're a football player, let's say you're Terry Glenn, um, you know, and Parcells was already like on him a little bit for being soft and this and that. Yeah. That's not necessarily the environment that like promotes you to share your feelings or at least explain that like, you know, things don't feel right. And I don't know. It must have been tough. And like you said, for Aaron Hernandez, you know, there's a documentary that's coming out. I don't know what it's about. Yep. I mean, by the time this this is released, you know, it will have been out. But based on what I've read on him, I mean, he lived a sort of life that as a football player and as a tough guy, but then he had other feelings as well. And it's yeah. like, you know, if you don't have an outlet for that, um, then it's got to be extremely tough. Again, it doesn't excuse his behavior or how he acted, you know, dealing with certain situations, but, uh, it's gotta be tough. Mm, yeah. No, uh, yeah. And I think the fact that it's becoming more talked about these days is probably, uh, heading in the right direction mm-hmm. opposed to it just like what it was then. And people just trying to deal with it on, on their own. Right. So as much as we give Terry Glenn shit and, talk about how much of a circus this is i think there's definitely some deep veins of of some sad shit that that like runs through all of this sure and if i'm being honest i don't actually remember how this ends the whole terry glenn thing because I, I don't remember him ever playing again but me neither man i, I, I remember i mean he obviously went to the cowboys with the yeah. uh bledsoe and parcells reunion but, but I, it's I, not I'm like s- he played any of these playoff games or like super bowls that i that i remember because i, I yeah. remember those those games pretty vividly and he wasn't a part of them so i don't know what happens with terry glenn this year so i think we're gonna have to i think we'll probably stumble across that together as we go here Right. I mean, that is the interesting thing about looking back at these things is just kind of like understanding what was going on behind the scenes that we didn't quite necessarily yeah. have an understanding for. Yeah, because I think especially with with these, you know, positive football seasons, the things you remember are all the the the, the good things, you know? Right. Well, for the um, most part. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, what negative stuff did you remember about the 2001 season before we started doing oh, this? Oh, the 2001? Not yeah, much. That's I what mean, I mean. It was all pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to sports, I think you remember the good bits. And then uh, for the most part, unless there's some really heart-wrenching thing like the helmet catch or something, right. you don't really remember the bad stuff. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm also wondering around this time because obviously uh, Belichick was establishing this like culture, right? And it yep. might not be the easiest thing to deal with when a player um, is sort of acting up or acting differently than, you know, he's not towing the line for whatever reason. And, you know, as a coach, he obviously was like, you know, we're going to do it this way and I don't want any distraction. So it's not necessarily the most encouraging environment anyway. But I right. also understand that because you're trying to implement this sort of structure in this like, you know, what this team is going to become and what it became. Yeah. Um, but we also see like, cause outside of like mental health or, you know, uh, you know, sitting Terry Glenn and making those decisions, maybe he doesn't play the rest of the year. I don't know. Um, or like you said, you don't see him show up in any game. So, I mean, maybe that was a Belichick thing to just try to make a point. I mean, there were articles about how he was already screwing around with the injury report. And it was at one point, 18 players yes. on it or something like that. Yep. So, because I mean, he got uh, reprimanded or something. Yeah. Here it is. Belichick was asked if he had issues 
if he had issued such a lengthy injury report at the behest of the league office, which sometimes questions such reports when few injuries are listed. Four times Belichick was asked if the 18-man list was a result of such a reprimand. His replies were as follows. No, nope, no, not that I'm aware of. Oh, yeah. you're right. He was definitely like playing games with that whole injury report thing, even back in 2001. Right. So, I mean, I think all these things uh, come into play. Uh, obviously, I think he's he's softened over the years because with the Josh Gordon situation, I think they were a little bit more, well, a lot more accommodating. Um, yeah, I feel like um, the best. like the Corey Dillons and the Randy Mosses kind of softened him to to be to bring it in those ways because he see that it, it can work as long as the the player has the right mindset right right but yeah i agree yeah so anyways i mean it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and yeah. uh you know i'm just interested as, as i get older as well and as society progresses in whatever way it's going it's interesting to, to look back and uh you know i'm sure there's going to be other situations where we get a little bit more insight we're like oh okay um, yeah you know, maybe there's something more going on. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, yeah, I don't know if anybody wants to listen to this stuff. So <laughs> there you go. No, that was great stuff. Um, so let's, uh, I think we should wrap this up. I think we've, we've talked for quite a bit about uh, all sorts today. <laughs> Even some, uh, some Bills game. Uh, you want to start your best and worst? Um, yeah, I mean, the obvious um, best, which I wanted to avoid picking this, but it was the best, um, was the Antoine Smith sort of touchdown that sealed the the game. Uh, I think it was um, 157 left on the clock. Uh, they're trying yeah. to kill time. And then um, Antoine Smith blows through pretty much everybody that was trying to tackle him, gets a monster 42-yard run, makes a score 21-11, and that pretty much seals the deal. Yeah. Um, before that, to show how bad this uh, this game was, my best play was a Patrick Pass kickoff return that was fumbled, picked up. He runs across the field, bounces <laughs> off a few guys for a 19 return, uh, a 19 yard return. That was my best yeah. play before that. I mean, it was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, Wait, you and- didn't like the uh, the Troy Brown end around that got called back for holding? The reverse, yeah, yeah. Well, um, it was no, good. That, that that was one of my notes about Gus Johnson, and Brett Jones. That's not a fucking reverse, right? An end around, right? And I did write a, a note on that though. I love Brady's handoff because he timed it perfectly to him. Oh yeah, uh, Brady, Brady he he held it long enough um, to make the play work. Obviously, it didn't, but uh, no, yeah. Um, all right, so then, what was your worst? Um, the rest of the game. Well, the worst, I would say, is just any offensive line uh, play that allowed a sack. I mean, and even like the hurries, I'd say. All 12 of them? Yeah, the offensive line was terrible. It wasn't good, yeah. Which, again, I saw another article that they were talking about. Oh, well, maybe um, Bledsoe was better, you know, because uh, he would have been better if he had a a better offensive line or whatever. They were talking (laughs) about how the offensive line play was a little bit better in uh you know brady's tenure in 2001 i'm like i think they were the same it's just sort of the decision making and whatever that comes with it no you're right but i i did like the quote from that article uh 
Here, in 1999, Bledsoe played behind a line from which only one player remains. When I say that, I don't mean still remains in New England. I mean still remains in pro football. <laughs> All right. Well, that's I mean that's a major point right there. But yeah, so so not great. So I mean, I don't think this is head and shoulders better mm-hmm. than the 1999. But it was 99. Was was this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about. Uh, Drew Bledsoe like dragging this team to victories is that's what he was dealing with right um, and I will say that I also wanted to touch on this this game was so bad I wanted to get the other guys on here and see what they thought but when um, they put up so you know they put up like all kinds of posts like there's the NFL.com one um, oh yeah where this time the Patriots were finally mentioned it's the first time all year that the 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 poll for NFL.com actually referenced the Patriots. Yep, I have it here. It was what has been the most surprising aspect of the 2001 season thus far. And the first option is emergence of Tom Brady, which, which Brent Brent Jones. Jones picked. Yep, exactly. So I thought that was because he's in New England, but actually it was just because he's in New England. Right. And if, you know, if anybody has listened to some of these, uh, they'll know that there's been a bunch of these um, NFL.com yes. polls and they have nothing to do with the Patriots, even though they're during the Patriots game. Exactly. Um, but then the the best thing that I thought that they put up there was they were talking about Ted Johnson's favorite ah, books. You get an avid steal reader. Them, oh, best. No, go for it. Go for it. Go. All right. That's a great segue. Yeah, no, my best. I actually had two. Um, they're talking about Ted Johnson being an avid reader, like you said. Uh, turns out his favorite book is The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks, apparently. That's so good. Which those of you who have or are currently dating somebody, you know that that got turned into a movie with Ryan Gosling. And it was and, fantastic. Yes, and will make your significant other very mad at you after after watching it because you're not a Nicholas Sparks character. From well, from what I, I will found. I will admit that I watched that movie on my own at like 3 a.m. by myself. That um, about right. You know, I needed to know what it was about, and by the end, because um, I think it's a horror film, and nobody wants to talk about that, but it is a horror film. <laughs> and uh, by the end, I think I cried by myself for at least 35 minutes, not out of like the love story, but out of sheer fear that that's like a possibility. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, that, that, that graphic that you're talking about, they actually list like, so they put up the graphic. I have it here. Uh, I I took a screenshot of it so I wouldn't forget it. Um, Ted Johnson's favorite authors, Deepak Chopra, Nelson, Nelson DeMille, I believe is pronounced. Uh, John Grisham, which, okay, great. Robert Ludlum, of course. Uh, M. Scott Peck, who I don't actually know. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then the aforementioned Nicholas Sparks. That is so, so funny, though, that they... Avid that reader. For, for, especially for a run-stopping uh, linebacker who, from the, the picture they showed next to this, these names of authors, his neck is actually wider than uh, his head. Oh, He's yeah. That shaped man. I remember that about him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, just not something you'd expect. And my, I actually had another favorite. Uh, and this is just a small thing, but the Patriots ran a direct snap to Kevin Falk on like third and 12. Mm. Did you see that play? I don't remember that one. Yeah, it was, uh, it was halfway through like the second or third quarter. And um, like they, they didn't convert it or anything, so it, it didn't really work. But I think it got like eight yards. But um, on the, the direct snap to Falk, Tom Brady's play fake was amazing. He literally acted like he caught the ball 
and like was was doing his whole drop back and like looking looking across oh, the field. Oh like, <laughs> yeah, now I remember the the announcers were talking about that too. Yeah, it was amazing. It was so like rookie uh Tom Brady like making sure everything is is exactly how it should be. It was Are you fantastic. calling him an, uh, a hardo? Oh yeah. I've been calling him a hardo all day. Well, all uh, all season, I guess. I didn't Podcast know that. I, I, know, I know I know uh JJ Watt is a hardo. So Oh yeah, no, no, rookie Tom Brady is a super hardo. <laughs> Amazing. Um and then my worst, oh, there's a lot to pick from. I think um We'll go back to the kicking game. Kicker in this game was Jake Arians. He would not last the entire season with the Buffalo Bills. They would eventually replace him with Patriot legend Shane Graham. Mm. Um, but they they mentioned in his first uh, field goal attempt, I think it was in, uh, I was in the second quarter. Uh, they talked about how this was the first, or his the the fact that his last two field goal attempts had been blocked before kicking oh. this one. This is the first time in three kicks that he didn't have one blocked. And he made That's it. That's pretty good. Yeah. So that was <laughs> that was what kind of game this was. It was one of those. So all right, I think that does it for, for this week. What do we have to look forward to, Mr. Mello? I don't know, but don't ruin it for me either. Because again, oh. I'm experiencing the season as if See, I don't but know. You sh- I think you will know this one. Because oh, don't you dare. The greatest show on turf is coming to town next week. Okay. One of the games you remember, I'm sure. I remember all of them, okay? I'm just trying not to so I can enjoy I this. don't think you do. You don't remember any of these games. Don't you lie to me. But everybody remembers the first Rams game. Because that's when shit got serious. So, join us next episode. When the St. Louis Rams come to town. Face the New England Patriots. The, the currently... Five and four New England Patriots, and we will see you then. Bye. Ta ta. <laughs> Ta-ta. <laughs> oh man. <laughs>